In this week's market update, the equity glass remains half full despite recession fears and earnings season gets underway. The first quarter of the year may not have been the greatest for stock market investors, but the real question is why it was not worse. The list of reasons to be concerned about the outlook for shares is long and the headwinds, if anything, have got stronger. Despite that, the S&P 500 stands pretty much where it did last autumn at 4,500. It was a bit higher at the end of last year and it dipped quite a bit lower in the aftermath of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. But it's holding up well, as are markets elsewhere. Our own FTSE 100 is another good example of equity market resilience. So, what's going on? Well, interest rates are set to rise faster than we feared and to go further above the neutral rate than expected as the Fed tackles a growing inflationary threat. The war in Ukraine looks like it's going to be with us for some time to come. At the same time, COVID has not gone away. Shanghai remains under lockdown with unpleasant consequences for its residents, but also knock-on impacts on supply chains and inflation. But there are a couple of reasons for shares' surprising strength. The first is that the futures markets don't believe the Fed will be able to raise rates and keep them there. Whether that's because central banks achieve their objective and tame inflation or break the economy by trying to do so, investors think that interest rates will be coming down again within 18 months or so. They'll be back to a neutral level and that's not bad for shares. Now that is actually quite an optimistic view given the historical record. In the past, the Fed has gone two to three percentage points above neutral during its tightening cycles. And if it were to do that, then the second reason for stock market strength might look questionable. That reason is earnings growth. Currently, earnings do still look like a tailwind for the market. For 2022, the current expectation is earnings growth of around 10%, with similar forecasts for 2023 and 24. Now, clearly a big part of that in the short run is due to energy sector profits, which are running hot on the back of the high oil price. But whatever the reason, rising earnings are keeping valuations in check, and that's a positive. The third reason to be positive may be even more important, fund flows. Despite the indifferent performance of the market in the first quarter of the year, flows into equity funds remain positive. And the reason for that is that investors are rotating out of bond and money market funds. It's the TINA, or there is no alternative, explanation. Going back to the financial crisis, shares had received hardly any cumulative flows from investors until last year. Prior to that, most of the money had gone into bonds and cash. Actually, around six times as much went into fixed income as went into shares. And with interest rates rising and inflation making bonds look less attractive, some of that is finding its way into the equity market. It's not hard to see why. Traditionally, shares are a better hedge against inflation. One reason for this is that their dividend income provides some balance against rising prices. If you're looking to protect the real inflation-adjusted value of your savings, then shares are not a bad place to be. And within the equity market, higher-yielding value stocks have the edge. So far this year, the best-performing assets have been commodities, gold, cash and large and small value stocks. The bottom of the league table is taken up by large and small growth shares and long-dated treasury bonds. Last week, I said that bonds were starting to look a bit more interesting, with the yields having moved up from under 2% to around 2.5%. 
at more than 2.7% today, that process still has legs. So it may well be that it's too soon to get back into fixed income, but it's clearly worth watching. At some point, the combination of a 3% yield and more or less guaranteed return of capital will start to attract investors again. One asset that is continuing to attract interest is gold. In some ways, that might be a surprise. Rising bond yields make the precious metal, which offers no income, look less appealing. But the reality is that as inflation rises, real bond yields remain negative. In that environment, holding gold starts to look sensible. At the very least, it looks like a good insurance against the possibility that the Fed comes to accept higher inflation and lower interest rates as an acceptable price to keep the economy out of recession. Gold should certainly have a place in any well-diversified portfolio. Well, this week, we'll get a much clearer view of what's happening on the inflation front. On Tuesday, we'll see if the US hits another four-decade high for price rises. The expectation is that CPI will reach 8.4%, the fastest pace since 1981, and up from 7.9% in February. It's a similar story over here, with inflation forecast to rise from 6.2% to 6.7% as the impact of the war in Ukraine starts to be felt in the year-on-year comparisons. The raising of the energy price cap at the start of April is expected to see us moving closer to the US inflation rate before inflation starts to fall back, perhaps quite quickly. Now, coming back to earnings, we're back at the start of another earnings season this week. As usual, it's the banks which kick things off. JP Morgan Chase is first out of the blocks on Wednesday, closely followed by Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, State Street, Morgan Stanley and Wells Fargo all on Thursday. A rising interest rate environment is helpful for bank earnings, but not so much if the difference between long and short bond yields is as flat as it is at the moment. We've talked here before about the message being sent by the bond market where that so-called yield curve is flat as a pancake or even briefly inverted a classic recession signal. The debate continues about what this actually means for the economy and for markets. and The reality is no one really knows. It's true that inverted yield curves, long bond yields being lower than short ones, have preceded every post-war recession. What's less predictable is the time lag between the signal and the economic downturn. And what's even less clear is that this is bad news for stock markets. In fact, Goldman Sachs has pointed out that the average one-year market performance after a yield curve inversion is 9%, and the average two-year performance, 16%. In other words, shares actually tend to do quite well after this so-called recession signal. Of course, averages are just that. They sit in the middle of a range of outcomes. And how things pan out will depend on a host of other factors, two of which, the evolution of the war in Ukraine and the COVID situation in China, remain extremely uncertain. Chinese stock market certainly started the week on the back foot, with both the CSI 300 index of Shanghai and Shenzhen stocks and the Hang Seng in Hong Kong falling around 3% on Monday. Despite promises to support the economy from the authorities in Beijing, investors are concerned about a cocktail of concerns, from the ongoing lockdown in Shanghai to higher than expected factory gate prices 
and ongoing fears about tech sector regulation. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Investors should also note that the views expressed may longer be current and may have already been acted upon. Reference to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. It is meant for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. Issued by Financial Administration Services Limited, authorised and regulated in the UK by the Financial Conduct Authority. Fidelity, Fidelity International, the Fidelity International logo and F symbol are trademarks of FIL Limited.